All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Let us begin an exciting, exciting day ahead of us. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tamatora sponsors. For the month of Shvat, Mrs. Bracha Strimber, in loving memory of her husband, Avi Strimber, Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi. Our Talmud Torah sponsor, Avi Tobias, an appreciation for the Shir, an appreciation for the Shir and for the Daf. So our, Tam, our day of learning sponsors, um, Chaim and Malki Wecker, in commemoration of the Shloshim of Rita Bayek, Zichron of the Bracha, Risha Bas Aranakoin, Zichron of the Bracha, and my parents also dedicating the day of learning in commemoration of the Yard Site. Of my grandmother, Zichron Levracha, Freda Bas Moshe Yosef. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, all of the Neshamas have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. And I will say with that, let us begin. So, Shechianu, Vikiemanu, Vihigianu, Lazman Hazer, that we are Zocha to begin. Daf Lamid Beis. Daf Lamid Beis. Daf Lev. Daf Lev of Mesechas Megillah. And we're going to see that Daf Lev, Daf Lamid Beis is filled with much heart. Much beautiful, beautiful Gemara, beautiful Sugi. So also with that, let us begin. So we actually left off yesterday, I believe at the two dots, in the wide, yeah, right after Karbanos, in the wide lines, two, four, two, four, six lines down in the wide lines. Betanios, Betanios, Brachos, Uklavos, in Mafsikin, Biklavos. So also, remember again, the Mishnah introduced us to this concept, sorry, Mishnah introduced us to the concept of in mafsikin beklolos, that we don't go ahead and stop in the middle of klolos. So whenever we're reading a section of klolos, a section of curses, like the tochacha, we always go ahead and read it as one aliyah. So it says the Gemara, listen to this, how do you know in mafsikin beklolos? So the Gemara, Amra B'chia Bargamda, Amra Basi, Do Amra Kra, Musr Hashem B'ni Al Timas. Because the Pasik says literally again, the Musr of Hashem, my son, do not go ahead and be repulsed by it. And I will say, now what does it have to do with anything? Look at Rashi. So this is incredible. Rashi says, Al Timas, Bamafsik Bahen Mara Asmo, Shekashalo Likros. So also listen to this. If you go ahead and you stop in the middle of reading the Klolos, what does it look like? It looks like it's too much for you. It's too much for you to read. You don't want to read it. The Pasik says, when Kash Baruch Hu gives you Musr, right? That's what Klolos are. That's what curses are on the Torah. They're Musr. So when Kash Baruch Hu gives me Musr, what's my avoda? What's my job? My job is to take the Musr, to learn the Musr, to read the Musr. And if I stop in the middle of the Musr, it looks like that I'm pushing back against the Musr. Shlakish says, this is incredible. The fish in Omrim Bracha ala Paranos. Rish Lakish says there's a different reason. You can't stop an aliyah in the middle of Bosa, because what happens if you stop an aliyah in the middle? Then the second aliyah, well, both aliyahs, what's gonna, so we'll say, imagine this for a moment. You start the tochacha, you start the tochacha, you make a bracha, or I should say, you start the klalos, you make a bracha, then you end an aliyah, another bracha, make a second aliyah, a second bracha, you're making all of these brachas, quote unquote, on klalos. And we don't make brachas on klalos. We don't make brachas on curses. So the Gemara says, So what should I do? So the Gemara says, It's very simple. Start a Pasuk earlier than the Tochacha. Start a Pasuk earlier than the Klavos. And what? And a Pasuk later. That's it. So the Gemara says, We'll make it one Aliyah. Therefore, I'll make the Bracha. I'll make the Bracha before the Tochacha starts. 
I'll make the after bracha after the tochacha ends. And Shalom Yisrael says the Gemara. So I'll say, so I just want to point out there's two principles here. One principle that was espoused was in mafsikin beklalos. And the second one was in mevarchin beklalos. I don't go ahead. We don't stop in the middle of curses in the middle of klalos, and we don't make a bracha. We're going to see these two interesting applications of this. So Amr Abayi, Abayi qualifies this, and he says as follows. Amr Abayi, This is only true with, with regarding the klalos in the Sefer Vayikra. Ava klalos shebemishna Torah, but the klalos that are mentioned in Chumish Duvarim, Posek, you are permitted to stop in the middle. What's the logic? My taima. Because we both say the klalos in Sefer Vayikra are said in the plural, and Moshe Rabbeinu said them over in the name of Hashem. They were said to, from Hashem to Moshe, and Moshe relayed them to Klal Yisrael. Vahalalu, but the klalos in Sefer Dvarim, Beloshon Yachid Amuros, first of all, they're said in the singular. And Moshe ultimately again said them over of his own volition. Rabbi said, like much of Sefer Dvarim, most, most of Sefer Dvarim is Moshe Rabbeinu reviewing details with Klal Yisrael, and it's Moshe Rabbeinu's own stream of consciousness. Therefore, again, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, Abayi wants to suggest that when we speak about not making a bracha on Klalos, or not, or not stopping in the middle of Klalos, that's Dafka the Klavos said from Hashem to Moshe in Chumash Vayikra that are phrased in the plural. But the Klavos of Sefer Dvarim, which essentially are Moshe's own words. In other words, it's Moshe Rabbeinu reviewing this of, of his own volition. Those you could go ahead and stop in the middle. So the Gemara goes right there. Levi Barbuti havakakari v'kamagamgim kamedra afuna. Baruri, listen to this, I Levi Barbuti was reading, was reading the Tocha, was reading the Klavos. The Kamagam game. Rashi says the very Magam game was Kara Osan Bemerutsa Ubekoshi. He was reading the Klalas very quickly, very quickly. Bekoshi means with difficulty, probably means mumbling. Right? He was reading it mumbling. In other words, he, he was looking to get through it very quickly. So listen to this. Kamidrafuna. So Amrlo, so Rafuna said to him, Akinaf don't worry about it. Rashi says over Knaf Shekha, and Ritson Khala half sick, Pasuk. If you want to stop, right? So this is Rafuna now speaking to Levi Barbuti. He's clearly saw that he was uncomfortable reading the Psukim. So if you want to stop, if you want to pause, that's fine. Because Because apparently, again, Levi Barbuti was reading of the Klavos in Chumash Tvarim. And Rafuna said to him, if you need to stop, stop. Because the only time you can't stop is for the Klavos in Chumash Vayikra, not for the Klavos in Chumash Devarim. We'll say absolutely incredible. So we'll say, I'll say something interesting just about this idea. So now we, what comes out from this sugya, and this is how we paskin, right? We don't, we don't split up alios in the middle of the tocha. The truth is we never split up alios in any tocha. That's the truth, whether it's in Vayikra or in Devarim. So again, we have two concepts over here, as I mentioned. In mafsikim beklavos, we don't stop in aliyah, right? We don't pause in the middle of klavos. And in mevarchin, in mevarchin ala klavos. So I'll tell you something amazing. So that Moshe Feinstein's Yechazad de Tivracha, in Igros Moshe, quotes this concept to highlight something fascinating. He says, why is it that by a levaya, we don't make a bracha on kriya? Right? There's, a, there's, there's an obligation 
A person is obligated to mourn for the seven close relatives, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter, a spouse. And there's an obligation of Kriya to tear your clothing. So says Ramosha, why don't we make a bracha on Kriya? Or for that matter, again, he says, why don't we make a bracha on Kvura? Right, Kvura, burying the dead, is a chesed shal emes, the highest level of chesed. So why don't we make a bracha on these mitzvos? And Ramosha says, incredible, because in Mavarchan Klavos, he say, he espouses this idea, it's really incredible, that we don't make a bracha on any, on any mitzvah that is associated with death, that is associated with misfortune. And he bases, such a fascinating, never even thought of the Shaila before, and he bases it on this Gemara. So that's from a halachic perspective, how Ramosha takes the concept of in mevarchen ala klolos, and essentially applies it to in mevarchen on any mitzvah, which is associated with death, with tragedy, with loss, with misfortune. I'll show you something, I mean, there's, there's another idea over here, from, that's a halachic perspective. From a hashkafic perspective, there is a beautiful svasamis. And the Ger Rebbe says as follows. I want to read to you this piece from the Ger Rebbe Parshas Re'eh. Listen to this idea. He says, Midas Hishtavos. One of the most important Midos is the Mida of Hishtavos. Now, both say, what does it mean, Hishtavos? So, from a Lashon of Shava, the Mida of Equanimity. Equanimity. Both say, what's the Mida of Equanimity? The ability to be an even keeled person. Right? Hishtavos means I could maintain a level of equanimity, a level of just, I, I could operate at a certain baseline, a calmness, a certain level of emotional fortitude. I'm not easily excitable. Right? Equanimity. I, I tried it. Good. So listen to what he says. This is so beautiful. Now what does it mean? To be the kind of person who is able to go ahead and deal with every life situation with a sense of calm. Right? They both say there are people like this, Baruch Hashem, it's, it's a difficult need to have. But some, so right, some of us just very easily excitable, fly off the handle very quickly, break down with stress very quickly, or get angry very quickly. The Midah Hishtavus is the ability to go ahead and deal with all types of situations with a level head. With a level head. Look what he writes. Because again, the Sasam is that he goes on, it's a much longer piece, but he explains because if at the end of the day you don't have the Midah of Hishtavus, you don't have the Midah of equanimity, it's impossible to be successful in life because life is filled with excitable moments. Right? And I don't mean excitable moments like the good kind of exciting. Right? The excitable moments with like difficulties. And if a person loses it every single time they encounter a stressful situation, a person just loses control every single time something difficult happens, then at the end of the day, it's impossible to be successful. And look what he writes. He says, Vizesh Amar, listen to, we'll say, listen to how beautiful this is. Says the this is the Pshatun Gimara. Ein Mafsikin Beklalos. Listen to this idea. In mafsikin beklalos, says the Sasama says, in mafsikin, you cannot stop your avodas Hashem. You cannot stop your devekus. You cannot stop your life work beklalos when difficult things happen. You see, sometimes difficult things happen and what happens? We're sidelined. We're sidelined, right? Something, I, I get thrown a curveball. There's a valley in life. There's adversity. There's tragedy. There's difficulty. And we become paralyzed. And we become paralyzed or we become angry. It's the same thing because anger paralyzes also. Right? And I just, I lose it. I just totally lose it. And then what happens when I lose it? 
I compound the difficulty because now not only do I have a difficulty, but at the end of the day, I've effectively been rendered non-functional in life. Therefore, says the Sassamis, this is the pshat, even when life throws you a klala, even when life throws you adversity and difficulty, you can't stop. You can't stop. You have to power through. You have to keep going. Whatever you have been doing, keep doing it. Whatever your avoda is, don't stop. So we'll say, sometimes you come across something, sometimes you come across, sometimes you come across something and you realize like, I've just stumbled upon a piece of life wisdom that will forever change the way that I live. And you know, every day I come, I come to the daf and I, come, I emerge with it with like a new life mantra. And the new life mantra now is in mafsik in baklalos. That's it. That's the bumper sticker. Forget about my kid is on honor roll or whatever, you know, right? Right. So in mafsik in because every single day is filled with klala. I know that sounds like a terrible thing. But when I say klala, I mean adversity. Every single day brings its adversity. And too many of us, when we encounter that adversity, we shut down. We shut down, we panic, we get overwhelmed, we stop, we get angry. You can't do it. Because then every single day I lose traction. In mafsik in baklalas. No matter what klala life throws your way, don't stop. Keep doing what it is you know you need to do and keep accomplishing. So in mavarchin ala klalas, Rev Moshe gives me a lachik idea. In mafsik in ala klalas, the Sasanas gives me a hashkafik Ashkafic idea and really Ashkafic mantra. Beautiful. Well, let's go weiter. Tanya, Tanya, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer. It's beautiful Gemara. Ezra tikin lehem liyisrael shu koren klalos shabatoras kanim kod matzara. So we'll say Ezra when he set up when he set up the system of kriyas haTorah. When he set up the system of kriyas haTorah, so he said that we should go ahead and read the klalos of Torahs kanim of Vayikra before Shavuos. And the clothes of the clothes of Sefer Dvarim before Rosh Hashanah. What's the logic? My Because the idea is we want the year to end and the curses to end with it. So we'll say it's an interesting Gemara. So, so therefore, we, tr- we essentially we read the curses before year end so that we should let the curses, the, any klalas that HaKadosh Baruch Hu may have to visit upon us, they should go ahead and be part of the previous year and we should walk into the new year tabla rasa with a, with a blank slate, right? Clear, full of opportunity. So says the Gemara, okay, so I understand reading the Klalas and Chumash Tuvarin, right, before Rosh Hashanah, because that's literally, Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the calendrical new year. So I understand. I want the new year, I literally want the calendrical new year to start with a fresh slate. With a fresh slate. I understand that. But what does it mean that I should finish the Klalas of Sefer Vayikra before Shavuos? Shavuos is not a new year. So what, what does that mean? To which the Gemara says, in Atzeres Nami Rosh Hashanah. No, it's not true. Even Shavuos is a quasi Rosh Hashanah as well. How so? Disnan Uba Atzeres Aperos Ha'ilon. There was, we learned this in the Sechus Tainis as well, that ultimately, again, on Shavuos, we are judged for the fruits of the tree. We're judged for the bounty of the fruit trees. So therefore, Atzeres, 
Shavuos also has an element of Rosh Hashanah, an element of New Year associated with it. Therefore, I will say the idea being that before Shavuos, we want to finish up the, the, the Klavos in Sefer Vayikra. Before Rosh Hashanah, before Rosh Hashanah, we want to finish up the Klavos in Chumash Dura. I will say also such a powerful Yisod that sometimes in life, in order to maximize new opportunities, you have to believe that they're going to be great. Right? And I will say sometimes, especially if we've suffered many setbacks in life, we automatically assume that the future will be just a replica of the past. And if the past has had setbacks and tragedy and, 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 and difficulties, so that's the future. That's the future. And the truth is, there's very little hope and there's very little optimism and there's very little drive to build a better future. So Chazal teach us, you know what, sometimes the best thing you could do is finish up the Klalos before Shavuos. Finish up the Klalos before Rosh Hashanah. Because the only way to embrace new opportunities is with hope and optimism. In other words, if you think that your future is just going to be the same thing of the past, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and the future is going to be dark and gloomy. But if you believe that no matter what the past has been, the future could always be better, then you are setting yourself up for dramatic success. So Shavuos represents, again, the tree. This is, by the way, beautiful time to Tuba Shvatazal, which we'll leave for later. Hey, but the idea of the tree, right? right? So Shavuos is the, is the new year for fruit, well, is the, is the din, is the judgment for fruit trees, Ultimately, again, now I have to finish up the Klavos. The new year could be good. Rosh Hashanah, new calendrical year. The new year should be good. Keep the Klavos in the past. The past is the past. And the future can be magnificent and incredible, even if the past has been a little bit difficult. Let's go back to this. So the Gemara is well say another beautiful Gemara. So many beautiful Gemaras. So the Gemara says as follows. Tanya, Rabbi Shimon, Allah, Zerah, Omer, Im Yomur Lechazekinim Sisar, O Yedalim, V'yeladim B'nei. So let's listen to this. If you've, if, if, Older people tell you to demolish. And younger people, I'm sorry, if older people tell you to demolish, and young people tell you to build, sisar, demolish, vialtivne, and do not build, because the building of older, sorry, the, because the demolition of older people is building, and the building of younger people is demolition. Which Rebbe says essentially is Chazal's way of saying, don't necessarily take life advice from youth, from youth, for one simple reason. Young people may have a lot of book smarts, but the one thing they don't have is life experience. And the truth is, in the realm of life advice, there is nothing more critical than life experience. We'll say that's why, again, remember, interestingly enough, a zakin, right? Chazal tell us, what does a zakin stand for? Right, someone who has acquired wisdom. I will say, but what about someone who hasn't learned Torah? Is he still called a zakin? So remember again, zakin is a generic term also used for someone who's old. So it's fascinating because from the eyes of Chazal, even if you've never cracked open a sefer, if you're old, by definition, you have wisdom. How do you have wisdom? Just from life experience. So the Gemara says, if you have two people whispering in your ear, a young person telling you, do this, do this, do this, and an old person telling you, don't do that. Chazal said, chances are, listen to the older person. Right? Even if the younger person is telling you to build, and the older person is telling you to demolish, take advice from people who have life experience. We'll say, such an incredible, so we'll say, we all know, we all know people who are very smart. They're very smart. But being smart, I think, we, I think we begin to realize this, like when we're, as we get older, and we really have to move on. I'll say, but, but again, what's interesting to notice, you know, when you're young, right? So like the metric of success is smartness, right? Who's smart? Who's smarter? Because the truth is, if you're smart, 
That's how you can get through school. That's how you could do well, which are the basic metrics of success as you go. And then when you and then when you when you're younger, then as you get older, we begin to realize that like the most profound and successful people are actually not necessarily the smartest people. They're the wisest people. And being wise and being smart are not necessarily the two things. A person could be very smart, but not wise. And a person could be very wise, yet they might not be so smart. It's an incredible, you saw Nasa Chazal telling us over here, if you're getting, if you're getting advice from, from the youth or from the elderly, take the advice of the elderly. So we'll say, I'll just, someone just saying this, I, I will tell you, as someone, as someone who has um, the, the schus, but also the difficult responsibility of sometimes being with people in their last moments, when you hear people reflect on life, when you hear a zokin talk about like what's important, some of the most profound things I've heard in my life are from elderly people who realize life is coming to an end. They were not Torah scholars, not by, by any stretch of the imagination, but lived a whole life and were able to see MS. It's an incredible, incredible thing. So therefore, that's the Gemara says, the Gemara says, what's the simon for this? The simon of Davar, Rechavah ben Shlomo. So I will say, Rechavah ben Shlomo, remember, Rechavah was the son of Shlomo. Now, Rechavah had two sets of advisors. He had his buddies, right? His buddies from Yeshiva, who now became, Baruch Hashem, the advisors, once Rechavah was king. And then he had his father's advisors. His father's advisors encouraged him to be soft and loving with the people. His, his buddies encouraged him to rule with an iron hand. Well, he listened to his buddies and not his father's advisors. And as a result, the kingdom of Yisrael seceded, right? There was a fracture in the kingdom. People no longer wanted Rechavam. So that's where Chazal get this idea. Good, the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, Turn about a makum shu'a sikim b'shabish hachar sham karma mincha. So what's the interesting idea? The Brisa says, the place where you stop laning, on Shabbos morning, that's where you pick up a mincha. B'mincha, shamkorn b'sheni. The place where you leave off in mincha is where you pick up on Monday. B'sheni, shamkorn b'chamish. The place where you leave off on Monday, that's where you pick up on Thursday. B'chamish, shamkorn l'shabbos haba. Div Rabbi Meir. So we'll say, Meir has this very interesting model of Kriya Torah. He essentially says, every time you read, you're reading a little bit more of the parsha. So therefore, again, you end Shabbos morning, you know, parsha's b'shalach. So you'll begin Shabbos afternoon, Yisro, you'll read uh, nine Pesukim in Yisro, so you read the next nine on Monday, the next nine on Thursday, and so already again you come, you come to Shabbos morning, Parach Hashem, you're 27 Pesukim into Yisro already. That's Rabbi Meir's model. Rabbi Huda Omer no. Makam Shemav Sikim Shabbos Shachar Sham Karma Mincha Obishen Bechamishal Shabbos Haba. Shabbos say ultimately again Rabbi Huda is how he passed that no 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 wherever you stop Shabbos morning that's now that you're going to read the same Kriya Shabbos Mincha Monday and Thursday and the following Shabbos beautiful says says the Gemara Amr Amr Bezira Halacha Makam Shemav Sikim Shabbos Shachris Sham Korn B'Mincha B'Sheni B'Chamishu L'Shabbos Haba. And Rabbi Zerah says, that's Talacha. Wherever you stop leaning on Shabbos morning, that is in fact where you're going to pick up by Mincha, Monday, Thursday, and the following Shabbos. I have a lame halacha, Rabbi Huda. So why don't you just say the halacha follows Rabbi Huda, top of Lama Days, Mishum Da'afrilu. Because we both say sometimes the names are changed around. So therefore Rabbi Zerah was reticent just to say the halacha follows like Rabbi Huda. Because in some versions... The attribution is not to Rabbi Huda to others. Therefore, he just stated what the halacha is. Incredible. Rabbi Osai, a great halacha. Tan Rabbanon, Poseach v'roe, Golal u'mavarech, v'cholzer u'poseach v'kader emer. So Rabbi Osai, here we go. 
know, say one of the interesting things is what is the proper etiquette when you get an aliyah, right? Should the sefer be open? Should it, when you're making your bracha, should it be closed? What what should you be doing? So we'll say we're going to see an interesting machlokis. Rabbi Meir holds like this. Now look at the lashon. Poseach veroa. So I'm going up now for an aliyah. I'm the ola. I'm getting the aliyah. I should open up the sefer, see where I'm going to read from. Because I will say the idea is the reason you're supposed to see. Where, the, where the, your aliyah starts is because when you make the bracha of Birch HaSatorah, that bracha is supposed to devolve upon your aliyah. So therefore, again, it's almost like you're making a bracha on a certain chefz, on a certain object of Torah. I'm making my bracha on my aliyah. So therefore, I should see where my aliyah is. Most of all, you have this concept in general, like the same way, if you want another cup of coffee, you don't make a shahakal niyabidvaro here and then run to the kitchen to get the cup of coffee. The idea is you should hold the cup of coffee in your hand while you're making, in general, whatever you make a bracha, the bracha should be on an identifiable object upon which you are making the bracha. You're getting an aliyah, you should see in the Torah where your aliyah starts. So posyach, you open the scroll, roe, see where you're going to get your aliyah, golel, close the scroll back up, mevarech, then make the bracha, then choser uposach v'kori. Then open it back up and read again. So Moses said, this is the position of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir therefore says, essentially, you should make a bracha over a closed scroll. Rabbi Huda Omer, no. Poseach v'roa, umivarech v'kori. Rabbi Huda says, halacha ma'isa. Again, Moses said, the only argument really on one point. You open the scroll, you open the scroll, see where you're going to start your aliyah. But Rabbi Huda says, you don't have to close the scroll back up. You don't have to scroll back. Leave the scroll open. Leave the scroll open when you make your bracha and then just go right into the Kriya. So I will say the point of contention between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda is essentially everybody agrees on poseach. You have to open the scroll up because obviously remember when I get up for the aliyah the scroll is closed, right? Why is the scroll closed? Because in between aliyahs we're always closing the scroll, right? So everyone agrees the first step when I get up for my aliyah open the scroll. Next step Roa, see where I'm going to go ahead and get my aliyah. Here's the machalogis. Rabbi Huda then says, close it back up, make the bracha. Rabbi Huda says, leave it open and make the bracha. Says the Gemara, my time is Rabbi Meir. Why does Rabbi Meir say you have to close the safer back up? Kidula, listen to this. This is great. Da amra ula, ma amru hakori bator lo listen to this interesting halacha. If you're the balkore, if you're the balkore, you should not assist the Torgaman in his explanations. Halacha. Why not? What are we concerned about? If the Balkore helps out the Torgman Rabosai, it might lead the people to the erroneous conclusion that what? That the Targum is written in the Torah. Right? So the Balkore is reading from the skull. The Torgman is doing his thing. If the Balkore kind of chimes in a little bit, and potentially he's still even looking down at the scroll, People will come to erroneously think that Targum is written in the Torah. Hachanami, so Rabbi Meir says over here, Kadesh Yomru Brachos Ksuvin Batora. Rabbi Meir says, if you're, if you're going in and getting an Aliyah, and now you have the scroll open, and you're looking in and you're making Brachos, what could happen? People may think the Brachos themselves are written in the Torah. It just leads to a skewed understanding of what Torah is. I say, how does, what about Rabbi Huda? Both say, Rabbi Huda allows you to keep the scroll open when you're getting an aliyah. So when you're making your bracha, Rabbi Huda, targum ikalimiti, bracha, brachos lekalimiti. So both say, Rabbi Huda says, no, no, no. People might get confused with targum. In other words, I hear that they could think that targum is included in Torah. 
no one's going to think that brachos are included in Torah. Because we'll say everyone understands that brachos, again, are something independent that exists by all mitzvahs. So just Rabbi Huda holds, no one's concerned that if you make the bracha of Asher Bachar Banu, or Asher Nasalmanu, right? If you make that bracha in front of an open scroll, no one's going to think that the bracha itself is contained in the scroll. In the scroll. So we'll say, Halu'i Paschal, Rabbi Zera, Amr Rabbi Masna, Halacha, what's Talacha? Paseach, Vera, Umavarech, Vekorei. So Rabbi Zera says that Talacha is... Like Rabbi Huda, namely, go up, open the scroll, see where you're going to lean from, keep the scroll open, make the brachos, and then begin the aliyah. I have a lay Rabbi Huda. So once again, Rabbi Zero, why don't you just say the Allah of Rabbi Huda? Once again, Mishum da Aprilu. Because we'll say, again, we have this issue that apparently in some versions of this discussion, it wasn't Rabbi Huda, it was a different name. So therefore, Rabbi Zera, instead of getting caught up in the possibility of name confusion, just articulated what the halacha is. So I will say, so how do we pass in halacha lamais in this? So this is actually very important. So the Gemara says, so the Shulchan Aruch says, this is Simen Kuf Lamites Sif Dalit. Kuf Lamites Sif Dalit. Here's the halacha, I will say. Kalakorin. Whenever you get an aliyah, so you go ahead and you make a bracha before and after your aliyah. See, so here we go. Here's the process. Here is the process for an aliyah. You have to open up the sefer. You have to open up the sefer. And what? You have to go ahead and see where the pasuk that your aliyah is going to start. And what happens? Then you should go ahead and make the bracha. Make the bracha. So we'll say now the Mishnah says, Mishnah says, V'achakach yivarech rotsa lomar, shein tzarech liglol sefer Torah b'shas berchaso. Now we'll say we do not close the scroll back up during the bracha. We don't close the scroll back up. So I open it up, see where I'm going to be, see where I'm going to go ahead and be leaning from where my aliyah is going to start, but we don't close the scroll back up. He says, Ultimately, again, Mishra says, because we're not concerned that people are going to think that the brachas are in the Sefer Torah. So we'll say, this is very important. The Mishnah so, so the Mishnah says, when do we keep the scroll open? This is only by the first bracha. And I will say, the Mishnah here says something that the Gemara didn't mention. Why do we keep the scroll open? In other words, like if there's a machlokis at all about keaping the scroll open, the easiest thing to do is what? Is what? Leave it, right? Close it. Close it. Just close it back up. Who cares? We'll say, see, this is interesting. You know why you know I keep it open? There's a tircha de tzibura issue. We'll say, what's the tircha de tzibura? That if you close the scroll back up and then you open it back up, what's the possibility? First of all, the time that it takes to open it back up, which is fine. But what are you really concerned about? The Balkori is not going to find the place. It happens, I will say. It happens. That's the Tirchad de Tibura. Therefore, the Mishnabura says when we speak about keeping the scroll open, that's only for the Bracha Vashem Bachabanu. After your Aliyah, you close the scroll up before you make the Bracha. And the reason for that is because why? The scroll is going to be closed up regardless because the scroll is always closed in between Aliyos. Therefore, there's no Tirchad de Tibura. So therefore, we'll say in the, so there in the Mishnah, so therefore, the Mishnabura says keeping the scroll open is only for the first Bracha. Not for the second bracha. Second bracha, you close it back up and you make your bracha like that. Now, I will say that the Mishnah Baruch does say something very interesting. He says, he says that halacha lemaisa. He says that halacha. Oh, I'm sorry. Back back to the Shulchan Aruch. So Shulchan Aruch says, "Ula achar shakar gol mevarich." So we'll say so that's the mechaber, right? Mechaber paskin is like Rabbi Huda, like Rabbi Zira said on the Mishnah that again, I get my aliyah, I open up the sefer, see where I'm going to the tzitzis. I will say, you know, what's not brought down in halacha? What's not brought down? Kissing the spot. Right? That's not brought down. And I will say, I would point out that many actually, the post came in, nothing wrong with kissing the spot, 
But many of the posts can bring down that one should not touch their tzitzis to the letters. But rather, again, one should touch their tzitzis to the margins. And that's just a practical piece of advice because the more you scrape against the letters, the more you run the possibility ultimately of, of somehow, what's the word? Um, cracking. Crack, cracking the ink. So I'll say, but I just want to point out that that concept, interestingly enough, of kissing the safer is actually not brought down in halacha, not brought down in the shulchan aruch. The drama adds in something very important. He says, so listen to this, I will say, the Ramah says, but what can you do? When you make your bracha, turn to the side. Turn to the side. Turn your face to the side. Therefore, I will say, you're that way everybody's happy. You have the safer open, like Rabbi Huda, therefore there's no tircha de sibura. But because you're turning your face to the side, therefore what? It's clear that you're not reciting the brachos from the scroll. The Mishnah Buddha says, you don't have to turn your face to the side. What else can you do? Close your eyes. Close your eyes. So a person could recite the bracha with their eyes closed, and it's the same idea. It's the same idea that I'm not reading. Now, so I want to be clear. The Mechaber, right, of Yosef Karo, does not bring down this idea. The Ramah just adds it. He just adds this idea of turning your face to the side or closing your eyes. So I will say, that is the halacha. Lamai says, so go up. Get the Aliyah, see, open up the Sefer, see where you're going to read from, make the Bracha with an open scroll, according to the Mechaber, could look straight in, according to the Ramah, turn your face aside, he also says you should be turning to the left. Turn to the left, because my left is the right of the Shechina, so I should turn my head to the left, says the Ramah, or Mishnah close your eyes, finish the Aliyah, close the scroll back up, make the bracha on a closed scroll because then there is no longer an idea of Tircha de Tzibura. Beautiful. Amr Abzeira, Amr Masna, Haluchos v'abimos emba mishum kedusha. Luchos and bimos don't have any kedusha. So both say bima is a platform. Rashi says this is referring to the platform of the king by hakel. Right, by hakel. Which would be again the, ga- the mass gathering by in the, in the sukkis after the Shemitah year, where everybody is gathered together learning Torah, that bima does not have kedusha. And I will say luchos, this is very interesting. Rashi says that luchos actually refers to um, the wooden boards that they would sometimes put on top of books, like book covers, wooden book covers. So those, those luchos, those book covers do not have kedusha. When, you're, when, you're, when you are rolling a safer, now really what this means is you're tightening a safer. You should always tighten the safer on the seams. In other words, remember again, the pieces of parchment themselves, right, are tied together. So a person when they're when they're when they're when they're um, um, well, this actually, so I want to, this is not Galila like we think about it, like lifting like Hagba and Galila. This is, you're just tightening a scroll. Go, you're just tightening the scroll. When you're tightening, tighten on the seam, which is just, again, I will say, this is not the Hashkafic idea. It's just a practical idea. Because if Chas Shalom, the safer splits, we always want the safer to split on the seam. The same way by Hagba, we have the idea that we always want to do Hagba on the seam, right? So Chas Shalom, again, should the safer split, it splits on the seam. It's interesting case. If one rolls a safer, just the image over here is not the way we would think about it intuitively. Rashi says, What's the case? The case is you have one person rolling a safer. How is he rolling the safer? So I will say, if you can imagine, the safer is, put, is on his lap. Is on his lap. And I will say, if you could imagine, again, the safer is put 
widthwise across his lap, right? So I have one column here, one column here. And that's how I'm rolling it against him. Again, I don't think we, we think about rolling it. You have it on the bima, and you kind of just roll it yourself. Here, it's on my lap. It's on my lap. So again, the, the, the length of the Torah is situated across the width of my lap. So the Gibara says, when you roll, golim mi bachotz. Roll the outer column, ven golom mi bifnim. Don't roll the inner column. So I will say, this is just a piece of practical advice so that ultimately, again, the outer column doesn't get away from you and chas shalom roll down. When you're tightening the safer, tighten it from the inner column and not from the outer one. I will say, again, Rashi just points out just practical advice to make sure that the safer doesn't rip or that the pieces of parchment don't bunch up. So let's get ready for this. So if 10 people go ahead and return out. Now again, why is he saying 10 people? Well, it's like, because 10 people, you need a minion. You need a minion for Kriya Satora. So if you have a minion, right, for Kriya Satora, Hagodol Shebahen, Golol Sefer Torah. Right, you give, now Gola, the one who rolls it, the one who rolls it, ultimately again, you give him, the one, the, the Godol, the most important person, gets Galila. Now, what they call Galila is a little bit different than what we call Galila. What they call Galila is what we call Hagba. Right? So the greatest covet that you could give a person is Hagba. Is Hagba is the lifting up of the Sefer. Because I remember again, the person who lifts it, if you think about it, the, the guy who gets Galila, what's his job really? What's his job? His job is really to assist the Magbiya in gold. Because remember, again, say when you do Hagba, in order to do Galila, the guy who's holding the Sefer has to go ahead and roll it on the bottom also. The job of the goat, what we call the guy for Galila, is he's assisting the Magbiya. So therefore, again, the guy who does Hagba is really called the Golel. He's really called the guy who does Galila. So the will say, it's amazing. Then in the eyes of Chazal, in the eyes of Chazal, the guy who does Hagba, he's the most important, right? You, you give that to the Golel. Hagolo no tel kulan. The person who does Hagba Galila, we're going to call it one thing, ultimately, again, gets the schar of everyone else. Ultimately, again, the one who does Hagba Galila, he gets the schar of everyone. Now, it sounds like what happens over here is he takes the schar of everyone. To which the Gemara says, no, 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 Ela'ima, Kibel schar kineget kula. No, no, no. What it means is he receives schar corresponding to everyone else's schar. But say a very beautiful idea. It's it's interesting this idea of why why is there so much importance given to the person who does hagba? Because it will say, what does the person the person who does does hagba? What's the message he gives to everyone else? What's the message? You can lift this. You can lift this. So say sometimes we look at Torah. And we look at Torah as just an overwhelming load that I can't shoulder. Right? And even if I could shoulder some of it, I can't shoulder all of it. Even if I could do some of it, I certainly can't do all of it. And I will say, every single time I see Hagba, what do I see? What do I see? I can lift this. It's heavy. It's heavy. But I can lift this. So the person ultimately, again, who inspires the Kehila to understand that they could shoulder this load that they could lift this Torah, that they can carry this Torah, the person who shows that, demonstrates that to the Kehillah, he's the God of Sheba Kulad, and he gets the Schar Kineged Kulad. But I'm saying, what's very important is, this way you begin to see, why do you give Hagba to the most important person, to the God of Sheba Kulad, why? Because I'm saying, in order to properly give this message, physical strength is not enough. The best thing is if the person who's doing Hagba, 
models this in his own life as well. See, if the guy who goes ahead and does Hagba is a guy who everyone knows does absolutely nothing, so the message is not received. But if the Gadol Shabakulan, if the most important person is the one who's doing Hagba, and people see that, they say, ah, just like Plony is lifting that Torah, it's possible. You could lift the Torah. You could shoulder the Torah. You could go ahead and take on all the responsibilities and be successful. And Plony's doing it. That guy's doing it. And if he could do it, so could I. So could I. It was an incredible yisod. So the Gemara goes weiter. So the Gemara says, This is a wild Gemara. How do you know that you're allowed to listen to a baskal? Now we'll say, now what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Listen to this. Let's say you're not sure. You have a particular life opportunity. You're not sure. Should you do it or not? And we'll say, you're, you're unsure. And then Vishamakal, you hear you hear a voice, Ohin Olav, and you hear a voice that says yes, or a voice that says no. Holech Acharav, you could follow the voice. Ve'ein kan mishum nichush, and Abba said there's no problem of nichush, no problem of divination. Now again, I, I want to strongly urge not to rely on this Gemara, right? But but halacha lemais, what the Gemara is saying is that sometimes, because again, we live in a different time, but the Gemara is saying over something amazing, the Gemara is saying sometimes in life, what I will tell you the Gemara is saying is like this, sometimes in life, I'm not sure what to do. And the Gemara is saying over here that the Ribbono Shal Olam sends us messages in all kinds of ways. You know, we often think if only God would speak to us, God does speak to us, right? Not, not in a direct communication, not do this, not do that, but He absolutely speaks to us. And sometimes you just have to have an open heart and an open neshama and an open mind to hear the messages. So that's the Gemara single over here. Amish, how do you know that if you're unsure to do something and you hear a sign, oh hin, oh love, that you could listen? So the Gemara That's only if you hear a male voice in the city or a female voice in the desert. The idea being you hear a voice that you wouldn't normally hear. So, right, if you hear a voice that you wouldn't normally hear, that could be a sign that it's a baskal. So, we'll say, whether or not, Vuhuda Amar Hin Hin, Vuhuda Amar Lav Lav. And it has to say yes, yes, twice, or no, no, twice. So, we'll say, the idea that the Gemara single over here is Cheshbarach does communicate with us. Now, again, whether or not today there's such a thing like this as a baskal, I don't know. But one thing is clear from Chazal, which is that sometimes in life when I'm unsure what to do, look for the signs. Look for the signs. Because the Ribbono Shal Olam absolutely communicates, communicates with us day in and day out. Just so often, you know what's happening? If the Ribbono Shal Olam is broadcasting on AM and I'm on FM, I'm just not getting any of the signals. I'm just not getting the programming. I have to be tuned into the right frequency. I'm able to see the signs. I'm able to hear the message of both sides. That's why we learn. Because when we learn and when we engage in Torah and when we do chasadim and when we give tzedakah and when we do mitzvot, that puts us in the right frequency. So suddenly I'm able to hear the transmissions. I'm able to hear the messages that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is broadcasting to me each and every day. So I don't know if it comes in the form of this baskal, hin hin, lav lav, a male voice in the city, a female voice in the desert. I don't know how it comes, but it absolutely comes day in and day out. But you have to be plugged in in order to be able to hear them. But say, let's finish. Says the Gimara, if you go ahead and you read Chumash without the trap, right? Or you learn 
without a, without a tune, without a niggin, right? You learn, you learn without, below zimra, without song. In other words, what's that, what the Gemara says about such a person, the Pasuk says, Apparently, I've given them laws that are not good. In other words, we'll say, what, what does this mean? So we'll listen to this before we go on. So we'll say, such a profound Gemara. If you learn without singing, if you learn without singing, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, apparently, you don't like my Torah. Others are both saying, it's not just enough to learn. I have to learn besimcha. I have to learn with joy. You could learn Torah without simcha, but learning Torah without simcha is like learning any other, you know, piece of information. You could ingest it, you could internalize it, you could retain it, but it doesn't become part of your neshama. For Torah to become part of your neshama, you have to sing it. You have to sing it. You have to go ahead and learn with the nigan. You have to learn with a little bit of an oomph. You have to learn with simcha. And if I learn with simcha, then ultimately, again, that Torah becomes mine. So the Gemara says, so, 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 so Abai was a little bit surprised by this interpretation, and therefore he advances a different one. No, the Pasuk refers to the following. If two Tamilicham live in one city, and they don't go out and consult each other in matters of halacha, so we'll say, ultimately, again, the Gemara says that, no, no, it's a reference to Tamidi Chachamim who live in the same city. If you live in the city with other Tamidi Chachamim, it is your obligation to consult with them, to learn with them, to go ahead and engage in matters of communal policy with them. And if you don't, and rather, again, you only learn Torah and explore Torah by yourself, HaKadosh Baruch was telling us you're doing a disservice to my Torah. So profound. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan. Both say wide line. Very profound Gemara. If you touch a Sefer Torah, both say, which means if you touch the cloth directly, you touch the parchment directly, which means you're touching the Torah naked, so to speak, without a covering, ultimately a person is buried naked. Meaning without tachrich, without anything. So the Gemara says, Aram Salata? Does that really? Sounds like pretty severe. To which the Gemara says, Ela'ema nikbar aram below mitzvos. Rather, it means you're buried unclothed without mitzvos. If you, teach, if you touch a Sefer Torah without its covering, you touch the parchment directly, a person is buried, right, without clothing as well. Could that be? And the Gemara says, not without clothing, but without mitzvos. Without mitzvos? Because I touched a Sefer Torah, I, I have no mitzvos. So the Gemara says, Ela amra baye nikbar aram below osa mitzvah. Rather, it means you're buried naked, naked of or bereft of that one mitzvah. I will say, in other words, if I'm learning Torah, but my hands are on the parchment, my hands are on the parchment, ultimately, again, I don't get the mitzvah of Talmud Torah. Right? Nikbar or means I'm buried. I leave this world without that one mitzvah of learning. I will say, why? So I will say, the whole yisod is, it's not just what you do, but it's how you do it. A person has to just, just like I have to learn Torah singing, and I have to learn Torah besimcha, I also have to learn Torah with a sense of reverence for Torah. And a person who just puts their hands on the parchment is lacking that reverence. So you could be learning the right information and in turn ingesting the right information, but if I'm not doing it in the right way, I'm disrespecting the scroll, then by definition I don't have that. I both say the incredible you so being in life, it's not just what you do that's important, but it's how you do it. That is of equal importance. Let's finish. Very important. It's very important. We'll say, now they used to wrap the Sefer Torah in a covering. So there are two ways you can wrap a Sefer Torah, which is how you could take the Torah and roll the Torah 
into the covering, or you could roll the covering around the Torah. The Gemara says, very important to roll the covering around the Torah, and not to roll the Torah around the covering. It's just the sign of the circle. both say, the Mishabura Paskins is also, Gabi, you know what else? Tefillin. When you're winding your Ritzuas, there are two ways you could wind your Ritzuas. You could hold the Ritzuah and move the bias, right? Or you could take the Ritzuah. The Mishabura says you can't move the bias. That, that's, that's considered to be disrespectful to the Tefillin. So you hold the bias in place, wind the Ritzuah around the bias, don't move the bias around. Same idea by Sefer Torah. Good. I'm saying, we come to the last section of Masechus Megillah. We have a whole minute. Good. Vaidabra Moshe Hashem. So remember again, the Mishnah ended by saying, Moshe spoke about the appointed times. Right? Yom Tov with Klai. So we learned that from there, that there is a Mitzvah to learn about each Yom Tiv in preparation for the Yom Tiv. Moshe Tikin Lohem. 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 Hilchos atzeres ba'atzeres, Hilchos chag bechag. Moshe Rabbeinu was matakin, says the Gemara, that halacha lemaisa, that halacha lemaisa, we should learn all of the halachos of a yamtiv. Now, here it says on yamtiv itself. So you should learn Hilchos Pesach on Pesach, Hilchos Shavuos on Shavuos, Hilchos Sukkis on Sukkis. So we'll say, but we know also that ultimately what this takana was, was to go ahead and learn the halachos 30 days. 30 days. Learn the halachos of Pesach 30 days before Pesach, Shavuos 30 days before Shavuos, Sukkis 30 days before Shavuos. So we'll say, why does the Masech end with this halacha? So of course, the simple answer is because it was the last statement of the last Mishnah. But on a deeper level, we'll say, what's the message? What does it mean, Sholen Vidarshan Be'inyano Shalchag? That we learn the halachos of the Yom Tov before a Yom Tov. We'll say, teaches us that preparation is an absolute necessity for spiritual accomplishment. That I can't roll into Ruchnius. It doesn't work. If I want to have a meaningful, cultivate a meaningful spiritual identity, that requires preparation. I want a meaningful davening, that requires preparation. I want meaningful learning, preparation. Meaningful chesed, preparation. Meaningful shalom bayis, preparation. Whatever you want to be successful in in life, one requires a certain level of preparation for that avod. And I will say that is the parting message that Meseches Megillah has for us. Same way you make a bracha, we saw in the sugi, you make a bracha, you make a bracha, in order to prepare for the mitzvah, any, any spiritual endeavor in which I want to experience success requires a healthy degree of hachana, a healthy degree of preparation. I will say, mazel tov, I'm concluding this Masechta, another beautiful, beautiful Masechta under our belt. And I will say, tomorrow morning, Yemir Tzashem, we begin the incredible, magnificent, and overwhelming journey of Masechus Moed Katan. Mazel tov.